Ladies, at Essentia Health, you're not just a patient. You're a partner in your healthcare journey. We'll get to the heart of your health questions, even the ones you're embarrassed to ask. We'll find solutions to fit your unique needs and lifestyle, because here, we're in it together. Feel confident in your care and in yourself. Schedule a women's health appointment with an Essentia Health provider today. Click the banner to learn more. Star Wars 7x7, episode 2987. We are continuing our series of looks into the Rogue One Ultimate Visual Guide because it seems to be providing clues for things that we might encounter in the Andor series. And today is no exception as we look into the portions of the book that deal with the Empire and with what happens on Jeddah. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. And thank you so much for continuing to like, to share, to retweet the tweets with the questions that I'm proposing for a potential Mark Hamill interview. I'm hoping that this is going to move the needle as we continue to get closer to 3,000. And I'm going to be trying a few other tactics as well to hopefully make a conversation happen and bring it to you. And I'm so grateful to you for helping make this possible. Once again, I'm going to put the link for the Twitter thread that has all the questions on it in the blog post for the show's episode at sw7x7.com and in the show notes for this episode. And if you haven't yet had the opportunity to retweet, like, share for the thread itself, then I hope you'll consider doing that as well. And thank you again very much for everything that you've done so far. All right, so let's talk about the Rogue One Ultimate Visual Guide again today. And in particular, we're talking about two sections of the book. One of them has to do with all of the time spent on Jeddah and Rogue One and giving a lot of detail about how that whole Jeddah City world is populated and some background information about the Empire as well. So one of the things that jumped out at me in the description of Sagarera's hideout is, first of all, that it's called the Catacombs of Kadera. And according to the visual guide, he has been operating out of those catacombs for, quote, several years now, unquote. Now, I know we get to see Luthen Rail meeting with Saw, but it's in an environment where we can't really tell very much about where it is, but it certainly could be those catacombs. It has that kind of structure to it. And we see one of the two tubes twins. I think it's Benthic who's standing guard outside in one of the trailers before we see the meeting between Luthen and Saw. But it's hard to tell where this is actually happening. And of course, it doesn't necessarily have to be happening on Jeddah, but it is fascinating fascinating to note that he's been operating out of there for several years. So if we are going to see Sagarera in any you know, extended capacity during the Andor series, it might be on Jeddah. We might be in for a return to Jeddah in the Andor series. Now, speaking of Sagarera's compatriots, his band of insurgents, there are two to whom I want to bring to your attention. One of them is Weetief Kube or Sayube, C-Y-U-B-E-E. And the reason why I'm flagging Weetief for you is because he's played by Warwick Davis in Rogue One, and Warwick Davis tends to show up in Star Wars storytelling in various places, so I think that would be a natural possibility for him to reprise his role for the series. 
And then another one I want to flag for you is Lee Van Tenza. And this is a character that we wouldn't necessarily have cared about one way or the other because, you know, bit player for all intents and purposes. But the backstory that Pablo Hidalgo writes for this character is particularly relevant to us because before Lee Van joined Saw Gerrera's Rebels, he was part of a group of rebels that was being led by General Dodonna. And according to Pablo Hidalgo in the book, he was with them them, quote, five years ago, unquote, which means that five years before Rogue One, he was with Dodonna's Rebels, and five years before Rogue One is where the Andor series is beginning. So that suggests very strongly that General Jan Dodonna is already operating some kind of rebel cell at the time that the Andor series begins. And what's more, it is such an organized rebel cell that they court-martialed this guy, Lee Van, because he operated outside of the bounds of the parameters that he was given for an assignment. He engaged an Imperial target in a preliminary, oh gosh, let me get the exact wording for you here. He was court-martialed for preemptively engaging an Imperial target. So the fact that Dodonna was operating a rebel cell five years prior to Rogue One at the start of Andor, and it was organized enough that they had a court-martial process in place, suggests that the whole fledgling rebellion idea is possibly a little farther along than we may think. So there are rebellious units out there, and some of them more well-organized than others, probably. So it's just a matter of when they're all going to come together, and those threads are going to start to be woven in Season 1 of the Andor series and continue to be woven until we actually get to the creation of an alliance deep into Season 2. And one other thing I'll mention about Saws, folks, is that they, at the time of Rogue One, are maintaining a squadron of six X-Wings. These are the Cavern Angels, and it would be very cool to see them in action, I think, too. So just, you know, one extra thought about that. Then on the Empire side, there was something that Pablo wrote that echoes a bit of Luthan Rail's monologue that he gives in one of the trailers where he talks about the Empire choking everyone off so gradually that they're not even realizing it. Well, in a similar fashion, Paulo says that the Empire has transformed into a stratocracy, which he defines as a government headed by military chiefs, and that this transition happened in an incredibly gradual fashion as well until suddenly it was just done and nobody realized that it was really happening. And so the Imperial Senate ultimately is... I mean, figurehead is the wrong word for it, but it's basically conveying the same idea. Like, it, it's definitely not an organization that's really driving the politics and the policy of the Galactic Empire. In fact, it is really driven by Palpatine and this more militarized government. So when Genevieve O'Reilly talks about Mon Mothma being sort of like a bird in a gilded cage, like being trapped in a gilded cage, it means a couple of things. It means for her personally, that's the case, but also it kind of refers to the Senate as a whole because they are certainly limited in what they can actually do and you know how effective or even effectual they are in the first place. And he also notes that the Empire has been making tremendous investments in ground-based forces because that's what's necessary to be conquering worlds, you know, when you're actually there on the dirt. And so that's something that we might see building up in the Andor series as well. And though it seems unlikely that we're going to get any real direct 
depictions of anything related to the Death Star, it seems like it wouldn't be a surprise to have a wink and a nod someplace. And one of the things that is worth mentioning from the book is that the Death Star had been constructed in and around the Geonosis system, but it was Saw Gerrera that actually caused the Empire to decide to move it. Saw's obsession with trying to find out what the deal is with the creation of the super weapon and all the clues that he'd been pursuing that suggested something enormous was happening. Well, it got him close to Geonosis and the Empire eventually moved it and then just utterly wiped out the population with some insecticide thing, which then when Sagarera eventually went to Geonosis was infected by that insecticide and that is contributing to the debilitative health situation that we see him suffering from in Rogue One. But we don't know exactly when it happens that Saw gets close enough that he chases the Death Star off to Scarif where it is completed. It's probably going to happen sometime during the Andor series, but whether we actually see anything related to that or hear anything related to that seems kind of unlikely. But some kind of mention of Saw Gerrera's obsession with whatever this project may be, it wouldn't be too surprising to hear it come up. And I think that's a good place to stop. So I think we will call it a podcast here and pick up on this again tomorrow. But for now, it just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the show as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.